0: I missed everybody. Had a great time with uh, my family in Colorado, and we we're really blessed to be able to get away for a little bit. And uh, just want to say publicly what a great job Pastor Randy, Pastor Austin, Pastor Kylie, and Pastor Gabe did while I was out. The, if you got a chance to be here, the the content was great. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to to listen to the past two Wednesday night messages. You can get those things on the Victor Life Church app uh, or also uh, through one of the, the, uh, the podcast uh, channels, depending on what type of phone you have. If you're listening to God and you have an Apple product, then you can do it through the little purple uh, podcast thing there. So I'm glad two people thought that was funny. You know, uh, I'm a dad now. I've been for a while, but um, I just realized that I don't, I don't tell a, a lot of good dad jokes, So I thought tonight that I would tell a dad joke. Does everybody know what a dad joke is? Yeah, a dad joke is one of those that you hear and you feel sorry for the person saying it and you have to laugh. So it's kind of one of those things. And I wanted to tell you something. uh, And I probably shouldn't have told you this was a joke. I just, I gave it away. But uh, um, did you know that the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. So That was a pretty good one, wasn't it? Yeah, come on, give it up, that was a good, 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 was a good joke. Uh, what do you, what do you call a, what do you call a dog with, with no legs? A- anything you want, because it's not going to come. <laughs> I don't know, that's probably a bad one, but I, I have, I have a little dark side to my humor, so. I gave you one that was like PG for everybody, and the other one's PG-13. So there you go. Said, so "Did he make a joke like that in church?" I don't know. I just did. I'll let you know how it turns out. I want to talk to you tonight, and uh, I want to uh, maybe make this a series. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I definitely. I, I talked to to Pastor Mark today. You guys remember Pastor Mark Carrillo? He used to come around. Yeah, he was just here. Not too long ago on a Sunday, and that was another awesome message. Why don't you give it up for him? Maybe he'll hear you in Sherman tonight. He did a great job. And uh, we just interrupted his preaching. He felt a disturbance in the forest. He said, there's praise and worship happening in Durant. Uh, but I talked to him today, and uh, this is just something that him and I both have a, a passion around, and um, I've, I've asked him here in the next couple of weeks if he'll come and minister on a Wednesday, so we're gonna, I'm going to look forward to that. Um, I just love any time Mark gets to be with us. But I wanna talk to you about church and specifically tonight, I wanna make a case for you that church can be a lot of things to a lot of people, but I really do believe that church is family. I believe that church is family. I believe that church is actually... Not an event you go to, it's a family that you belong to. And I believe that the way that the church gets secured for future generations is whenever it realizes that it's a family. I believe the thing that allows the church to be able to endure and to go on is whenever people come because of our pastor but they stay because of the people. I believe that the church (coughs) is supposed to exist like a family. And there's this tricky thing that happens living in the time in history that we live in and specifically living in the place in history that we live in, in the United States. There's something about American idealism that has taught us that there's something to be boastful about being self-made or being independent or being able to lift yourself up by your bootstraps has anybody physically tried that before that's really difficult (laughs) difficult to do I found it a lot easier when I have fallen and yes I have fallen before thank God not very often spiritually because it is kind of difficult for me to get back up but I have fallen before and it's, it's nice to be able to have somebody there to help get you back up. And you can take that and apply that to a lot of different areas of your life. And I don't think that we're fully stepping into everything that God wills the church to be until we shift our paradigm and allow ourselves to think through the filter of understanding that church can be a lot of things, but primarily I believe that it's supposed to be family. And in this 21st century American mind that that we all have, we're all saturated with it in one way or another, there's a lot of stock put into being able to be, once again, independent, autonomous, being able to come back from everything. And I've even heard people that are Christians say things like, You know, I'm a self-made businessman or a self-made business woman or the success that I have at this certain time in my life monetarily is all self-made. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? I really think that that term self-made needs to be totally stricken from the Christian's vocabulary. To be a self-made anything, to be honest with you, the only thing you can be self-made is a Failure. The whole problem with trusting in self is that it doesn't profit you anything. We are where we are today because of the amazing grace of God and we're succeeding in the areas of our life that we're succeeding in and we've stepping into these amazing blessings that God has planned for all of us and we can sing like we did about the goodness of God tonight exclusively because of what Jesus Christ has made us to be. And what he's done for us. Self doesn't get to factor in to the equation. We're actually supposed to be dying to self and learning to live alive to who we really are, which is spirit on the inside of us. And Pastor Randy did a great job two weeks ago breaking down that spirit, soul, and body and talking about not having a divided house. So don't want to spend too much time there. But I want us to allow our minds to maybe reimagine what church is supposed to be. And reimagine the people that are sitting in the seats with you tonight from the perspective of not just guests in a public venue, but brothers and sisters that have come into a common living room. To allow ourselves to think through the perspective of what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. It's one of my favorite passages In the Bible and it says this Jesus is praying this is known as his high priestly prayer and he says this I do not ask for these only the things that he's praying that the blessing that he's releasing he says I do not ask for these only And what he's meaning is he's not just praying this prayer for his 12 disciples aren't you thankful for that that Jesus had you in mind when he walked the shores of Galilee 2,000 years ago I'm glad he wasn't just stuck on his disciples. I'm glad that he had thoughts of the future. I'm glad that Jesus was a generational leader. How about you? I do not ask for these only. See, that's where a lot of kings in Israel's history had failed. One specifically by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah did a lot of awesome things in that time and in that place in ancient Judaism. But one of the things that he didn't do, and if you go back and you look at the story, you'll see that God afforded him to be able to have peace in his lifetime and that was enough for him. He was content with things being okay as long as he was alive because whenever he was removed from the picture, he wasn't going to experience it. That's what makes Jesus a new type of king and truly the real king of Israel and now the king of the entire world is that he didn't just think about the 12 and his time on this planet. Everything he did, he did with an intentional purpose. Because the greatest test of leadership, to quote the late but still great Miles Monroe, is that the greatest test of leadership in anybody's life is what their organization, their team, their family, the thing they're leading, what it does in their absence. Not in their presence. I think Jesus is the greatest leader that ever lived because he hasn't been physically in bodily form walking the earth in 2,000 years. And literally, Christianity has turned the world upside down and is continuing to thrive and grow and hustle and bustle. I don't know if you live in the kingdom of God, but I do, and it's busy and it's alive. Religion is dead. And it's cold and it's boring, but relationship with the king of kings and living in the kingdom of God is about being fully awake and fully alive. Some of you should join us tonight and live in the kingdom of God. Be a beautiful thing for you to do. Jesus says, I do not ask these for these only. I'm not praying this prayer to you, Father, just to speak a private, exclusive blessing on my 12 elite but also for those who will believe in me through their word. If you don't have any reason to worship Jesus, you should just read this and tell him thank you because he prayed for you. I'm thankful that the king of the universe prayed for me 2,000 years ago, but I'm even more thankful that the scripture tells us that he's now at the right hand of God and he lives to make constant intercession for us. I'm thankful for a leader, the leader in my life that prays for me every day by name. If you don't have anything to be thankful for, you should be thankful that Jesus prays for you every single day. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and I believing in Jesus because of the testament and the testimony of the apostles. Amen? Amen? Listen to this. This is Jesus' prayer. That they, who's they? Us. Us. 10 people passed the test. Okay, so now that they went ahead of us, it's open book, so let's try again. Who's the they? Us. Good. 75%. That'll, that'll pass every day. The rest of you want another dad joke. If you're nice and you listen, I'll tell you another one before we're done. That they may all, that they, who's they? Us. May all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Man. Anybody a good, card-carrying, charismatic person like me? (laughs) Believe that the Holy Spirit's still trucking today? Believe in signs and wonders and all those kinds of things happening? You know, it's awesome. There's a lot of things Jesus could have said right here in regards to how the world would be able to believe that the Father had sent him. But interestingly enough, he didn't say it was because you were gonna work miracles, He didn't say it was because you were going to have mega faith. He didn't even say it was because you were going to be able to speak in tongues. Now, those are all benefits of being with Jesus. And I suggest that you ask him for some of those things. It'll make being in the kingdom a lot better for you. It'll keep some of you from falling asleep. (laughs) That they may all be one. Listen, this is what he says. That the world may believe that you have sent me. What does Jesus say? that's going to allow the world to know that he is who he says he is? Us. Everybody say us. Us. Everybody say being Being. one. one. Being a family. It's about family. See, Jesus has always wanted a family. In fact, in the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were hanging out because that's what they do because they're family. And they said something in the beginning. They said, let us make man in our image. God wasn't talking to the angels. He was talking to himself. So if you talk to yourself, it's okay. God does too. (laughs) Because the word us there is the Hebrew word in Genesis. The word us is the word Elohim, which is the plural form of the divine God. It's an interesting thing and. Just to clarify, in case we have any Hebrew scholars in the house tonight, I don't have my glasses on so I can't see who's here, that word Elohim doesn't necessarily display plurality in the way that our our Greek-based language does. It's not saying that there's multiples of God. What it's saying is the word Elohim is expressing a plurality not in number but in depth, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, but you are one, correct? Yep. It's not that you have multiple personalities, it's that you're actually a deeper individual than you give yourself credit for. You have layers, you have depth to who you are. When the word says Elohim, it's expressing God's plurality in depth. And part of the dimension of depth of who the Father is, is Christ. And another part of the dimension of depth of who the Father is, is the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to be too deep. Are you trucking with me? Okay, trying my best here. And here's the beautiful thing is that God is communal, not by choice, but by nature. God doesn't choose to be communal and he doesn't choose to operate in community. The way that God exists is communal. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, community for God is not a choice. It's a necessity because it's part of who he is. That's why Jesus in this chapter that I just read to you out of John says that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they may be in us. How do I know that it's a family? Because in this family, there's a father, And there's an older brother named Jesus. Paul says that Jesus is the first in a long line of brothers and sisters. Jesus is our elder brother. And this is where people start to get nervous. (laughs) Because we've been taught for a long time that we're supposed to be soldiers so we don't know how to be sons. We've been taught a long time that we're supposed to be servants so we don't know how to be daughters. Do I think that we're supposed to be soldiers for God? Absolutely. But I think that's expressed more in the type of work that we do, not in the identity. You're a son and daughter by identity and the type of work that you do for God is soldiering. People adopt a soldier or a servant identity and what ends up happening is is that they have a tough time wrestling with things like John 15, 15. Told you this before, but judging by your response tonight, I need to tell you again. I guess you have forgotten since I've been gone, so let me remind you. John 15, 15, hopefully it'll mess with you because it messed with me about seven years ago. Jesus says this to his disciples. Put your hand on your heart if you believe you're a disciple of Jesus. So this is for you then, okay? It's gonna be for you. Even if you don't want it, I'm just gonna make you have it and then if you don't want it, you can return it to Jesus. Good luck because he's already given it to you so he doesn't do return policies, okay? Jesus says this. Leave your hand on your heart while I say this because some of you really need to believe this. This is, For some of you, this is the problem. It's actually not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. What I'm about to tell you is the problem. You not being able to receive this is the problem, okay? Jesus says this in John 15, 15. To his disciples, no longer do I call you servants because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I call you friends because I've made known everything to you that the Father's made known to me. You say, well, Jesus, how have you made known everything that the Father's made known to me? Oh, I don't know. You have his mind on the inside of you. You have the mind of Christ. Do you think the mind of Christ knows what the Father's doing? Absolutely. So you get to call Jesus your friend. Now does, for some of you, that feels irreverent. So you can put your hand down now. For some of you, that feels irreverent to call Jesus your friend. Feels like we're lessening his lordship. I told you this before, but I'll tell you again, because judging by the response, you have forgotten. So this is the, see, we're in a a cycle now. We're in a pattern. (laughs) Being friends with Jesus is, this isn't the best analogy, but I'll give it to you. It's kind of like being friends with the president. Does the president stop being the president if you're friends with him? No, because whenever you become friends with Jesus, it doesn't change his lordship vertically, but it does change your position to him horizontally. Okay, good, good. 15 people got saved tonight, that's great. Listen to Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 through 22. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. Praise God, we don't have any aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Man, I don't know about you, but I love being in Father's house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple, (gasps) the church. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Romans 12, five says this. So we, excuse me, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. If it's not a family, then why is he father? And if it's not a family, then why is Jesus our elder brother? It is a family. Let's draw some attention to Romans chapter five, or sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse five. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually are members of one another. It's a beautiful thing that happens in our experience in regards to this thing that we call church. If we can come into a place of awareness to really believe that we belong to each other because we belong to him. What changes about the way that we relate to each other whenever we make a decision to say you're not just a participant in the event tonight you're a brother or you're a sister what happens whenever we come together in a community and we confess that Jesus is Lord and we confess that we're a family And what happens when we confess that we're a family as much as we confess that Jesus is Lord? I can tell you what happens is that the church takes on another dimension and another flavor. And what ends up happening is that people see the greatest supernatural event that they can ever see. They see strangers love each other like brothers and sisters. One of the greatest miracles that the world can ever see is a group of people of different races, backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, differences of opinions, all being able to love each other with God's kind of love and fit together when the world says that they shouldn't. Because people don't do that naturally. If you think they do, next time you go to work, the first coworker that you see hug them and kiss them on the cheek and tell them that you love them. (laughs) And see if that happens naturally. One of my best friends in the entire world is here tonight, Dustin. I came in tonight and I hugged Dustin and I told him I loved him and I kissed him on the cheek. You know why? Because he's my brother. I have a biological brother named Ronnie. Do you know what I do when I see Ronnie? I hug him, I kiss him on the cheek, and I tell him that I love him. He's 17 years old, and I kiss him on the cheek. It's good for him. But I interact with him the way I interact with him because you want me to tell you the truth? There's really no difference. Now the preacher's really talking radical. Have you ever hung out with Jesus? (laughs) Listen to this Galatians 6, verse 10. Don't worry, I'll be done early. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Do you want to know how needs get met in a church? whenever we take it, a personal responsibility to not let a brother or sister go without something. Do you know how a faith community begins to thrive and have no lack? Whenever we make it our mission to not turn a blind eye to somebody sitting in the seat next to us whenever they have a need. When we come into a church service seeking to do good instead of just coming seeking to feel good. When we have a life group seeking to do good, not just get people around us that will make us feel good. That's what the health club's for. That's what the spa is for. The Church of Jesus Christ is not a country club, it's not a spa, and it's not a health club. It's a family There's this amazing thing that God wills to do through the church. What he wills to do through the church is to take the lonely and put them into families, this being the family, and what God wills to do through the church is the same thing that any good father wants to do. He actually wants to raise healthy, functional children. I told you that we have to come into a place of understanding that we're children, we're sons and we're daughters before we're soldiers and servants. It doesn't mean that there isn't aspects of being a servant and being a soldier in the kingdom of God, there are. But again, I can make a really strong scriptural case, not tonight, because I'm not prepared, but you give me a week I could, on how your identity looks more like sonship and daughtership than it does being enlisted in God's army. There's this beautiful thing that happens whenever we understand that God has actually designed us to not be able to get everything we need from our private relationship with him. Uh Uh-oh. I'm glad Pastor Lee said amen. You are designed, I know this is weird, and I know you're not gonna believe me at first, but give me a chance, okay? I've been with you for a little while now. You can trust me at least 50%, okay? I know the other 50%. I know I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous. I know this, okay? But just listen to me. Just believe me about this. You're actually designed to need each other. God said in the beginning that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Man was not lonely, but he was alone. So he made for him a helpmate and Eve, and then he said, you guys get busy and now make a family. And then those families make families. Populate the earth, It's part of God's design for us to exist as a people. That's why God always does things in families. The original family was Adam. That one got a little crazy. Then he had to start over again with Noah. And then from that place, he had to call another family by the name of who? Abraham, God always starts with the family. But see, the whole thing about the family is that it's supposed to grow into a people, into a nation. But once it becomes a nation, it doesn't stop being about family. It's just made up of a lot of families. And God doesn't start becoming a dictator and he doesn't start becoming a tyrant once it gets to a nation level. He actually still remains a father. Loving families. Are you following me? And the way that God wants us to benefit from each other is he wants us to grow up into him. He wants us to respond to the parenting that he's doing by means of his son and the Holy Spirit. And here's the interesting thing is that Christ is actually locked up inside of his body in the earth today. The way that he was 2,000 years ago. And who is his body? Us. It's a lie of the enemy to believe that you only need your four and no more. It's a lie of the enemy to believe that just you and Jesus have your own thing going. If you and Jesus have your own thing going, somebody needs to tell you, you've crossed the line of weird a long time ago. And nobody's able to say anything. You need each other. You need me. I need you. We're about to sing the Barney song. I love you. You love me. Some of you have trauma associated with Barney. I'm sorry. I just let that go. We rebuke a spirit of Barney in the house tonight, in Jesus name. We bind up that Leviathan dinosaur, that purple dinosaur, that dragon. Okay, sorry. All right. You can't be everything that you need. You know what'll prove to you that you need people besides you? And what'll prove to you that Jesus wants you to connect with people besides him? Have a bunch of kids. <laughs> Sarah and I have a lot of kids, did you know that? I think we have like 15 kids. <laughs> and here's the thing that you need to know about kids. If you, if you really need proved to you that it takes a village to raise children, you need to have children. And for some of you, are right in the middle of that process. Some of you remember it well. But I wanna to talk to you about something that the Lord showed me as we wrap up this first session tonight. Did you get anything so far? Could I quit right now and you'd be blessed? Okay, good. Well, then you'll really be blessed, what I'm about to say, because I saved the best for last. Here's the thing that you've gotta know in regards to family and why it's okay to actually need each other and why it's part of God's design I showed it to you from the scriptures and why we need to learn how to relate to him as father, why we need to learn how to be sons and daughters before we try to be good little marching around soldiers and good little busboy servants. We've got to learn about sonship and daughtership. Now here's the important thing because you have to understand that to God, we're all kids. Okay, people that have kids that are grown, fully grown, do they ever stop being your baby? Your baby? They don't. Do you think it ever changes with him? You might have been walking with him for 50 years. When he looks at you, he still says, you're so cute. (laughs) When he looks at you, he'll still give you a hug and kiss you on the cheek like I do my brother Ronnie. Why? Because it's good for you (laughs) to remember. I'll tell you a a trick here. Uh, Anybody sometimes struggle with being uh, intimidated to have healthy confrontation with people? Okay. All right, 20 honest people, praise God. Anybody else ever struggle with with feeling intimidated of people sometimes? Okay, let me tell you something that God taught me that'll change everything. I don't know if you're like me, but if you are, I pray a lot this prayer and it goes something like, God, I want you to give me eyes to see people the way you see people. You ever pray that before? Yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing to pray. But you pray because if you actually You'll find out that God really does answer prayer. So I was struggling in that particular area, and you know. Uh, because there's just times that you have to confront people in love and especially in my line of work it feels like you know every other day you have to and, and, and you, have to, you have to and sometimes it's easy to feel intimidated of folks or, or you know, sometimes you can feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to minister to somebody and, and, and you just have that fear of rejection or whatever it might be and, and the Lord told me um, I'm gonna answer your prayer and I'm gonna tell you how to see everybody the way I see everybody and I said great And he he just showed me everybody the size and stature of my kids. You know, I've never one time felt intimidated of any one of my kids. Because I'm bigger than they are. (laughs) And I got this really good paddle named Mr. Obey. It's a really good thing. You don't, you don't spank your kids, I'm sorry, that's okay. You can judge me secretly, it's fine. But here's the thing that you need to know. I judge you secretly too, but here's the thing that you need to know. I don't really, I don't judge anybody. Okay, so here's the thing that you need to know. I outsource all my judging. Yeah, all my judging. I send everybody that I wanna to judge to Pastor Austin an email and he judges them for me. So that's how I do it, no, I'm just kidding. So here's, here's, here's the thing, here's the thing that, that God showed me. He showed me everybody the size and the stature of my kids is a beautiful thing. He said, this is the way I see everybody because I'm dad. So when they think they're really tough, I just know that they might be 65 years old, 45 years old, 35 years old, and they might look grown up to you, but their attitude is no different than a two-year-old toddler fit. It's the same person. They just throw a fit a different way and they just pout a different way, but they're all kids. So you know how I have success in dealing with people? I don't talk to them like a kid, but I see them like a kid. And do you know what I do whenever I talk to them? I love them like I do my kids. You just just don't know who you are, do you? Man, let me tell you about who you are. You're confused because I knew if you knew who you were, you wouldn't be acting the way that you're acting. Are you following me? And there's this amazing thing that happens whenever I understand that it's not just about me and Jesus, it's about me and you, and it's about us existing in this family. And if we're all kids to God, that means that he's all, that he is in the process of raising us all. You understand that if you're growing, that means that you're still submitting to the parenting of the father. Oh, you, you graduated from that? Okay, well, I, there, we just identified why your life's a mess right there. You just need a whooping from God is all you need. <laughs> one time. He'll give you a hug right after, but you need at least one good swat, and it'll give you a hug, all right? But we're all in the process of being raised by God. And here's the thing that the Lord started showing me is that I got, like I told you, 25 kids, and... <laughs> Every time I say it, it'll go up by 10. And here's, and here's the thing that happens is I've got all these kids, and I don't know if you know this, but for a young parent, for my wife and I, we're, 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 we're both young parents, and uh, our oldest is six, so we've only been doing this for six years. And for us, it's, and, and maybe you felt this way whenever you, some of you that are older, were young parents, or maybe we have young parents in the room, you feel this way. And, and I want to tell you this, it's easy to feel all this pressure to be everything that your kids need. Nobody else has ever felt that way? So with four minutes remaining, let me tell you a little bit about me. I love the outdoors. And you know how I love the outdoors? Seeing it through a window. (laughs) In in a climate-controlled room. Because no matter what temperature it is out there, I can pretend that it's the temperature that my thermostat says. I do not like being outside, unless I could climate control, you know? That's why I do enjoy vacation in places like California, Colorado, because it's like there's air conditioning there all the time. It's wonderful, you know? And and, and I do cold before I do hot. Anybody like me? Yeah, because you can put more on, but when you look a particular way in my physical form, it's not good to take a lot off. And here's the thing. There was a time but it's, but it 's past. there was a time I really want to look good with my shirt off now I want to look good with my shirt on okay so that 's all I want now here 's the thing that you need that you need to i 'm I'm okay with that right? You can secretly judge if you want to that 's fine, I judge you too. I mean Austin judges you for me but here 's the thing that I want to tell you is that I deal with these with my kids I was about to say these kids, my kids and my wife, and I deal with them, and there 's a lot of pressure to be everything that they need and I have and, and I'm like perfectly designed to be a girl dad, a dad of daughters. But the Lord knew I needed one son. And you know, I only needed one son because my son is like five sons in one. <laughs> and he's like any, any boy, he loves being outside, being dirty, doing boy things, all right? I'm, I, I, I graduated beyond all that. I'm, a different, I'm the most emotionally in tune man that you'll ever meet in your whole life because I live with five women, and here's the beautiful thing, is that my son, he loves to be outside and loves to do things outside, and I can tell you, sometimes it's easy for me to be a little bit condemned that I don't enjoy doing those things outside. Now, granted, I get out there and jump on the trampoline. I'll go out there and sit on my padded lawn furniture, and I'll see what he's doing, and I'll be around, and there'll be time, you know, we go to the park, we do, but that's, that... I do things with them outside, but this is is the thing I want to do to to make a point for you today, all right? Is that it's easy for me to feel pressure to be everything that my son needs. But here's this amazing thing that happens. We've got an amazing man of God that's a friend of ours that raises cattle and and has a big spread of land. And my son loves to go to his house to be outside and to walk around with the cows. I can't provide that for him because of all the things I've already mentioned. I'm not gonna own cows, ever. I'm just not gonna do it. If I own cows, it means that I've come into some money, but what it also means is that I had to come into a lot of money because I gotta hire somebody to take care of them. Because my interaction with the cow is gonna be when it's on my plate. That's where I want to see the cow. And I and I have an expert, I have an expertise, and I can teach Judah about the best cut of meat that there is. But here's the thing about it, it's easy to feel condemned or to feel like I can't be that thing that my son needs because he needs that and he loves being with the cows and he loves riding the tractor. It, okay, if you put me on a tractor and told me that the only way I was going to get home was if I drove that tractor home, you might as well leave a casket there because I'm, I'm done as well. <laughs> I'm going to be on that tractor. I can't drive a tractor. I wouldn't be able to, my mind doesn't work that way. I wouldn't know what to do. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have to hitchhike. Or if I said, this is the only way you can get back home, I would just lay down and let the birds come because it's, <laughs> it's over. I can't do that. If the car breaks, I don't know. I lay hands on it. Sometimes that doesn't work. I pray. (laughs) Cast the demon out of there. It doesn't, I I don't know, mechanical thing. They don't transfer over like people do. There's just some things I can't do. And it's easy for me to feel condemned that I'm not able to provide some of those things for myself. And as a a dad, as a man, you want to be able to do these things with with your kids. And this is what happened. So we went out to go see our friend, and we went out to go see him and he comes up on the tractor and Judah's eyes just get like this big around because a tractor. And then, and then the cows and he's out there with the cows and, and, I'm, and I'm telling him, I say, okay, Judah, we gotta be careful where we step. You ever been out with the cows? It's impossible to not step in poop. It's everywhere. There's as much cow poop as there is dirt. So there's just no way at this point. I say, okay, son, at least step in the dry. If it's tested, if it's dry, step there, okay? Step in the dry. So we're out there walking, and, and uh, our friend that's, 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 that's the rancher, he's there, and, and he looks at Judah, and he says, do you want to see how close we can get to the cows? And Judah's eyes gets even bigger, and he says, give me your hand. And he starts walking out into the cows and the sun's setting, and the Lord speaks to me. And the Lord tells me that the church is family. And he tells me that the way that I contribute to the success of raising my children isn't about me, American dad, being everything for my kids. It's about me learning how to leverage the relationships in my church family to make sure that he gets to experience everything. And and, and, And here's the beautiful thing about it is that the father is the exact same way. The father's the exact same way. He actually is not just privately going to be everything for you, an American dad. He says, I'm actually have put my heart and my spirit into an amazing group of people. And I want you to connect with me through the guy that's going to walk you through the cows. Because in that moment, son, it's me. I wasn't able to personally do that for my boy, but I was able to personally facilitate the experience. An amazing thing happens whenever we understand that God wants us to experience the kind of family that church is by activating the things on the inside of us that he's given us, our gifts, our callings, our skills the things that we have in the natural and to surrender those for the service of the people around us to showcase how good he really is. That's how the children of God grow up into the stature of Christ by being one the way that he and the father are one. God wants to use you as a brother or sister in somebody's life to showcase his goodness in his heart and to provide for them an experiment an experience in their development that only they can provide and get this it is the way that he chooses to parent us by not doing everything for us privately but doing everything for us through the church who is his body I'm done <laughs> Why don't you stand? Ministry teams, you want to come? If the person you're standing next to is okay with it, grab their hand. Ask them first. It's okay if I hold your hand? I'm reminded of the old Methodist days. You guys start swinging like this? Okay, bind us together, Lord, bind us together. It's actually a really good song, but I don't remember the rest, so we're not gonna do it. All right, with cords that cannot be broken, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen, there you go. There's your nostalgia for today if you grew up Methodist like me. Okay, good. It's okay, we don't have to, there's no, okay. We already bound the Barney spirit. We don't have to bind any other spirit, okay? All right, good. This is what I want us to pray. Let's just, let's pray father we love you and we choose to believe that you haven't called us to just host great events you've called us to be a great people being a great people means like means means being a family being people that reach out to our brothers and sisters father there's so much talk in the church today about reaching out to the world but we can't forget to reach out to each other we're family And together you want us to reach out to the world. But never at the expense of not reaching out to each other. I believe that there's people in the room that are wounded. From the abuses of parents when they were young. What mothers and fathers did to them. Not acting like mothers and fathers. And you see those hearts tonight that are hurting. But Father, you also see that there's people here that walk in the ministry of fathers and mothers. And you want them led by the Holy Spirit to reach out and take your children's hand and walk with them. To mentor them. To show them something that they can only see through them. Father, I pray that you would grow us in what it means to be family. Father, we know that that's been a core tenet of this house for over 30 years is covenant relationship. Covenant relationship means family. It means that we have each other's back. It means that we believe the best about each other. It means that we're open to correction from each other. It means that we're open to love from each other. And Father, I know that with the pastor that you've given us, you're gonna continue to draw people to this ministry. And we believe that they might come to hear Dwayne Sheriff, but we know they're gonna stay because of the people. So I pray, Father, that we would be that kind of people. We would continue to be the kind of people that are warm and welcoming. We continue to be the type of people that throw out the welcome mat when there's guests. And Lord, that we would embrace people by seeing them as you see them. Children in need of family. All in the name of Jesus, we pray. everybody said, Amen. amen. Why don't you give the Lord praise?